You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Lon, diversification is a hot topic and a very important topic going into the changing market. How do passive investors get access to diversification in real estate? I'm really glad that you asked about this today because I think it's something that's really underappreciated by most of the people out there. So we're going to hopefully give you a good high level. So there's three really good dimensions from a diversification approach for your real estate investments. Um, So the first is geography. Like if you're currently invested just in the Denver market, you don't have exposure to anywhere else. The second would be what's the strategy that's being pursued. And we're going to talk about that in depth on this particular topic. And then the last is what what asset class are you in? Um, So most of you that are watching this are probably uh, owners of apartment buildings or rental condos or rental homes. So you're all in the residential bucket, which is a fantastic bucket, but you don't have any exposure to retail, office, warehouse, or student housing, or anything else. So uh, having exposure to different sorts of asset classes and different sorts of geographies can really take out some of the risk. It's exactly the same analog uh, for your stock market investments. If you just pick like five stocks and you have giant positions in Google and Apple and Microsoft and two others, your performance is going to look an awful lot different than the guy that's got all of his money in the S&P 500 index. It's just going to be a smoother ride. And this is the way to accomplish something really analogous to that within the real estate world. So what types of asset strategies are available to us? So the first one that you're going to hear about is called core. That's the lowest risk. And we're going to work our way from the risk ladder up and up. And so the more risk you take on, of course, the better returns you're going to get, but also a little bit more volatility. Just like in the stock market, um, you could the analogy for this would be to buy like a utility stock. If you bought Public Service Colorado or Excel Energy, uh, that stock price doesn't bounce around very much. Really reliable with its how much cash it spits out, but it's never going to outperform the index either. So core assets are like that. This is buying a blue chip apartment building or office building in a fantastic neighborhood, a quality asset, a quality neighborhood, not a whole lot of risk, and not a lot of surprise that people will pay top dollar for a trophy asset like that. And our main focus there is really income. So that's like your XL Energy sort of stock. That's called core. Um, The next thing you might think about is called core plus. So if that was the stock market, that would be heavy on the income, but we want to try to get at least a little bit of growth out of it too. So there's some appreciation over time. So that won't be quite as premier a neighborhood, not quite as premier an asset, um, but there's maybe some opportunity to improve some of the rough edges and get a little bit of appreciation along the way. So that's core plus versus core. Um, For some of you though, you might say that I want to do value add. So the analogy for the stock market is going to be more of a growth stock. So if you look at the smaller stocks on the stock market index, uh, they tend to have a little more up and down motion in their stock price relative to like Excel Energy. But over a long time period, they tend to grow a lot more, generate more appreciation. Since they're in growth mode, they don't have as much for dividends. That's going to be the same thing here. So on a value-add project, we're going to try to buy a rougher property in a rougher area. Ideally, that's got like a very finite definition of what work needs to be done to it. Um, if it's in residential, which I think everybody can easily relate to, um, this is a 1960s asset like in, say, Central Aurora that hasn't had any updates. So we've got like the original kitchens, the original bathrooms, the kind of the common areas are sort of worn out. And I want to buy this asset at a discount that reflects its condition and then put in money to renovate the building and then raise the rents. So a classic sort of value add. Um, That's a really popular thing. It's going to have a higher return, but a little bit more risk. Uh, And then there's opportunistic, which sometimes you'll hear. 
Opportunistic, I think, is just about the same thing as value add. It's maybe a slightly more extreme version of value add. So uh, a value add might be, we're going to do a kitchen, but not like a huge remodel. We're going to you know, resurface a couple things versus the opportunistic is like, we're going to take the whole friggin' kitchen out and completely redo the whole thing. Got the whole thing. Um, that's a word that you might also see sometimes. Um, the last one is development. So development tends to be the highest risk, highest return of all these different choices. So that might be kind of analogous to not necessarily like a startup company on the stock market, but one that's a really young company with a lot of you know growth in front of it yet. So here we're buying a land. Uh, we might have to demolish an existing building to put up a brand new apartment complex or retail center, something like that. So they'll usually have returns that are like double what you'd find in the core, really super conservative investments. And so is it safe to understand that as we go through these five different strategies, that as we go up the ladder, it's higher risk and therefore higher return, but often less cash flow as we do these bigger deals? Or how's cash flow coming to play to the, the total return? Oh, yeah, that's really great. So really, if you look at the stock market or you look at real estate, there's really only two things. There, well, there's a lot of things, but there's two primary things I can add to you as value for your investment in me. And that's either I'm going to give you a steady stream of cash flow or I'm going to give you some appreciation over the long haul, or maybe a little bit of a blend of both. Um, so the stock market and the, the real estate market work in a similar way. So value, I'm sorry, the the core product is going to be very little appreciation, lots of today cash flow, lots of stability and certainty. Um, as opposed to development, we're not going to have any cash flow for quite a period of time while we develop it, and then a huge spike of cash at the end. From a tax standpoint, they're really different as well, right? If I'm getting ordinary income today in the form of a dividend every quarter, for most people, that's going to be taxed at the highest ordinary income tax rate. So it's not very tax efficient. On the other hand, if I look at development, usually that'll be characterized as a long-term capital gain. So it's much more tax efficient as well. Uh, just like you'd find in the stock market, like if you buy XL Energy, get all these dividends, that's going to be taxed at a much higher rate than if I buy a no dividend, high growth stock, and I sell it at the end with this huge capital gain. And then it's a very pleasant tax rate. So you talked about uh, blending in there. Yes. And you know, I, I invest in stocks. I invest in directly owned real estate. I passively invest as well. And in the stocks, I always have, you know, I keep like 90% stocks, 10% bonds. I'm, I'm very aggressive on there. So that is my blend. Could you give somebody an analogy for real estate investing across those five strategies to correlate that blend to your typical like stock bond blend? Yeah, that's a really great thing to ask. So, um, the people in this podcast are probably in one of two buckets. You're you're invested in the stock and bond market right now and you don't have any exposure to real estate or you've got stocks and bonds and then maybe you own three rental properties that you've had for a couple of years and you probably have had some really great success. If you've had them for four years, you're probably absolutely loving the investment. But you're wondering, should I try to diversify? Um, you know, just having like four really great stocks, like is, it has been great, but doesn't mean it's going to be great in the future. So what I would tell both groups is if you could try to get a blend of some other assets. So from a diversification standpoint, we could do geographic diversification, get some in Florida and Texas and California or other markets. If you're all in residential right now, if you could try to get some in other food groups like office, industrial, not all in residential would probably just smooth out your earnings and appreciation over the long haul. Or if what you have right now is I've got three nice houses in Highlands Ranch, a nice suburb of Denver. Um, I've got exposure to one particular class. Like that would be like a core holding, right? It might be nice to get some development exposure so I get some higher returns. I didn't have the desire after being a residential and office investor for 20 years to try to learn 
all these different geographies and to learn enough about warehouse, for example, to get to a critical mass of competency where I could do those direct investments myself. So for me to be a passive investor and, and partner with an expert who knows that stuff cold was just a whole lot easier for me and a lot less responsibility and stress. But I want to highlight something on here because that's what you've done in your career here in Denver and up and down the front range is you've done all those active investments as the operator, yep. taking your black eyes, taking your wins. And that's what makes me so excited to work with you on Ireton Capital and also invest with you is that you have that experience. So you can go out there and evaluate other markets, other people and realize, oh, hey, they do pass the sniff test. They're their expert in that market, that strategy, let's play some capital with them. Right, I don't know how I'd be able to underwrite and do all this due diligence on these potential passive investments had I not done all this work myself for 20 years. It'd be, it'd be too much to figure out. Last question for you here, as we're talking about diversification in real estate, you know, we are seeing some, uh, I mean, multi-decade highs of inflation right now. Yes. When you look at inflation and real estate and just general investing, what are your thoughts? Well, I want to do a whole podcast just on that because that's such a great question. But at, at a, a quick, glossy sort of a level, um, inflation is really real estate's best friend. Um, so if you are the guy that owns three of those homes in Highlands Ranch, you are sitting on three ATM machines because you're sitting on probably a very attractive rate from four years ago for your fixed mortgage. And your rents are going to go up pretty fast because of inflation. And every time the rent goes up, all that extra cash flow drops to your bottom line. Uh, historically, inflation and real estate are really good partners, um, as opposed to high inflation tends to punish the stock market. So that leads to a concept of about that real estate and the stock market are not highly correlated. And what that means is that things that are highly correlated are if, if one asset goes up in price, the other asset goes up in price. And when they go down, they tend to go down together. So there's no offset to them. Uh, real estate isn't highly correlated to, to the stock market. So like you're probably going to see the stock market at the time that we're recording this, it's off about 22% from its high. So we're technically now in a bear market. I think that may continue because we're in such a high inflation environment. We're about to go into a recession. High inflation means real estate is probably going to do pretty well. So having a blend of both in your overall portfolio really smooths out your earnings and takes away a lot of the stress. Lon, thanks so much. As usual, I learn lots. Always get some great tidbits from sitting down and talk with you. And of course, if you want more details, want more like the tactical numbers and understanding different investments you made and different strategies, we have the companion videos of various case studies of investments you've yes. made. And we'll talk about which strategy they go in and break down the returns so you can really understand what investments you can potentially make in real estate. So thank, thanks a lot, Lon. Thank you so much. Thank you.